Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers. And Bradley, that is, was an exciting 10 minutes between what recording. Do you, what do you mean? It's been a whole week since I've it's seen you. It's been a whole week or four days Maybe. or two Possibly. weeks. Depending on what the release schedule is. Well, I see no reason to uh, waste any more of our listeners' time. Uh, If you are just joining us, we are currently working through the Clone Wars uh, Gendi Tartakovsky series from 2003. We're taking it five chapters at a time through volume one. And we will reevaluate at that point how we want to do volume two between when this comes out and the next Star Wars thing. If you are following along at home, we are going to be covering chapters six through 10 today, the back half of the first season. That would be everything from when the arena fight begins on Rat Attack, all the way up to when Anakin and the Saja's starfighters go hurtling towards each other and the screen literally cuts to black. <laughs> cannot miss it. Okay. I promise you. So... Bradley, what did you think of episodes six through ten? I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on this. Um, okay, so I actually really like this uh, section. I think I liked it a lot more than the first section, only because. Gee, um, I wonder why. <laughs> only because it intro- not only does it introduce one of my favorite characters, Asajj Ventress. Um, I think it's a combination of Asajj Ventress storyline is beginning. We get a conclusion to the last, you know, kind of couple chapters, essentially. Well, I put conclusion in air quotes, but the the banking clan kind of story is somewhat, you know, concluded or mostly concluded at this point. And then um, we're, but we're being introduced into this Asajj Venture storyline, which is amazing because I love her so much. So uh, I'm interested to see more of her as the show progresses because i don't know anything that happens after chapter 10 at this point <laughs> yeah we we yeah. definitely are watching this uh week to week and definitely <laughs> did you not guys record all of this uh in in one sitting that would be insane uh, also please ignore the lack of news uh anything that potentially might have happened this week so we'll just dive right in uh starts off with a bang and like the arena mm-hmm. scene with the aliens this is some like weird, terrifying shit when you're a kid. Like, like these aliens come on and they're like these massive, hulking, hairy, gross aliens that are just beating the crap out of each other. Yeah, I think this scene gave me the most Samurai Jack vibes out of the whole entire show. Like, because I was like all the different weird characters and designs. And I was like, oh, this is this is so Samurai Jack right here. This is clearly where they told him go go nuts. Yeah, just go wild, do whatever you want, and like they come out with some really cool stuff in the way that they fight each other. Mm-hmm. Like I love the little Aqualish guy with the spinning like bow staff thing, and I love that a random Gamorian was here. Yeah. I love these things, but we also we're going to talk about the droid here in a second. Okay, actually, let's talk about the droid now. Okay. Because I don't think I noted it, but I'm pretty sure I need to note it. What? Uh, this show, unfortunately, yes, features features an appearance by my hated enemy, the fucking flamethrower. I do uh... not recall it being particularly effective in the sequence. However, I didn't write it down. So 
Could be super effective. I don't, it wasn't big enough for me to note it. I do note that this, this sequence is metal as hell though. Oh yeah, it's really cool fight scenes. Oh, awesome. It's just like quick in and out. There's some awesome aliens. Dooku shows up. We will talk about who is the voice of Count Dooku. Okay. Here towards the end, because it's, I, I read who the voice was and I went, oh, this makes sense. This makes sense. But he goes in and he has that scene in the box with the cat lady from Doctor Who. Uh, and then fucking Asajj Ventress shows up, like kills the, the cat person and like dramatically leaps into the arena and is revealed for the first time. What did you think, Bradley, watching the first ever reveal of Asajj Ventress? I knew, well, I, I knew, I pretty much knew it was her anyway, because I knew that we were dealing with Dooku. So I was like, okay, it's obviously her. But the fact that she not only, I, I'm assuming she jumps like at least a hundred feet, like down into this arena, <laughs> first of all. Um, and she dramatically throws off her robe for her reveal. And I, she, she is just so iconic in just the sheer fact that she's this very stoic you know bald woman basically and she's like a fucking beast and uh she fucking force runs in this goddamn episode which i was like oh okay we're bringing force running back now that's interesting so she no one absolutely trashes yeah everyone in the room right just wipes the floor with them all of them like she just is bam 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 and it's so dramatic i i I love, and also she fucking takes on a goddamn wampa, I think, or uh, uh, yeah, right? one of them was a wampa, right? For like no reason. Well, she like, almost takes on a wampa. The wampa gets like knocked aside uh, by the guy swinging the rock. Some other big ass fucking thing. Exactly. Imagine this, right? It's it's two thousand three. Mm-hmm. You are twelve years old. You have been watching Clone Wars for like a week at this point, and this fucking lady shows up. You've never seen her before. She has two lightsabers for some reason. Yeah. Wipes the floor with everybody. And then is like, I am Sith. Boom. Cut to credits. That's where it ended. That's where it ended. It's so dramatic too because she looks right in the camera and she's just like, the labels are crossed on either side of her face. Ugh. So good. And, and... That episode aired on November 14th, 2003. The next okay. episode was November 17th, 2003. Oh my God, why they wait We so had long? to wait a whole weekend. It was the weekend. <laughs> we had to wait a whole weekend to find out what happened. Right. To, to Asajj after she makes this claim. So the whole weekend is like, what? She can't be Sith. There's, there's only two of them. How is she Sith? Yeah, I have questions on that once we get to uh, the next, I think it's the next chapter they talked to Palpatine. Uh, and that's what makes it more like, I was a little bit weirded out on that. Yeah, she's like claiming to be a Sith, but she's not right. actually Sith. Like Dooku brings up in the next next chapter, he's like, you wear mm-hmm. the trappings of the Sith, you fight like the Sith. But then he says, Sith have no fear. And I'm like, that's yep. an interesting claim to make, Dooku. Also, in what way is she fearful? Like, is she... <laughs> no yeah, sense. she never displays at any point that she's particularly fearful. 
Like he just claims I sensed much fear in you and then zaps her. Yeah, because he's like, literally his back is turned from her. And then she's literally like, okay, I'm gonna go fucking kill you real quick. And then he electrocutes her. But I was like, wait, how is she fearful in any way whatsoever? It's she literally tried to take him on. Like Yeah, she's I take issue with that line, and I get it because it's very simplistic writing because they had three minute yeah. episodes yeah, yeah, yeah. to do this. Fear is kind of at the core of the Sith. Mm. Like fear is is kind of at the heart of what makes someone become a Sith. Yeah. It's established in episode one. They tap into their fear, they tap into their anger and hatred. I'm like, Duku, I don't know where you get off on this whatsoever. Mm. Oh, wait, she we wakes talk up. About, well, I was gonna say before she wakes up, we need to talk about Duku. Okay, yes, let's talk about Duku. Talk about his fucking entrance. Oh, his fucking like descent, cross descent, like vampire down into the what in the Superman hell? He literally (laughs) floats so gracefully from his legs. He literally flies, flies down, literally flies. And I'm like, so I I bring this up because it reminds me of um, when I was reading the High Republic book. They were talking about how when you're falling, you can use the force to make yourself as light as a feather or whatever and touch down softly, right? Like if you jump from a high place and you can land softly. So it's like- I'm so, I'm so happy. Every time you reference something from Light of the Jedi, <laughs> I'm like, yes, yeah. But, but am I wrong though? Like, so that's interesting that they're using this stuff that like they don't really do in the movies, obviously, because it's not something that they wanted to do or if they did, it kind of people would be like, well- if they do that, then they can do anything. They're always, like, they're jumping off of high places, but Light of the Jedi is one of the first times they've explored that, like, no, actually, they're using the Force to, like, slow their fall. Right. Dooku just, like, levitates down. Levitates himself. He's very Magneto. Very Magneto. Yeah. That one was for you, Andy. There is a character in... Uh, I believe it is Into the Dark who does this, who's a Jedi. And I won't spoil the context because I'm trying to bully Bradley into reading Into the Dark here soon. But this character like quells a fight by dramatically levitating down. And it it's basically the same thing. I loved when Dooku did it here. It was very much a flex. So then she wakes up. They have a fight. I don't know if it's her room or somebody else's room. Uh, he beats her obviously. And then Sidious shows up. Can we talk about Sidious's teeth for a moment? I'm looking at it now just to see it. Look at his weird wonky teeth. Why does he have one tooth that's like weird? Yeah, it's, it's like... Yeah, he's got like wonky teeth, but his teeth are strange. fine when he's Palpatine. It's hmm. a really weird animation choice. Weird choice, yeah. Like, dude, we all know Sidious is Palpatine. Like, we figured that out <laughs> back in episode one. <laughs> It was oh my god not, now uh, i'm looking at an even closer version his teeth are all fucked up like in, if it even when it zooms in even more like he's missing a tooth like and then yeah. some of them are jagged and then it's like oh what the fuck yeah like, like I just it's crazy it. so i'm like that always bothered me even as a kid that bothered me i was like what is that yeah. animation choice even uh asajj has some interesting like lines here where she talks about the jedi being corrupt and then yeah. They they must be punished, and I'm like, gee, I wish this was longer than three minutes so we could get some explanation about what that means. Yeah, because like, what I is thought it was deal, weird. Lady? Like, because okay, so 
if what what I can gather from this though is that like so from the movies or from not from the movies from the Clone Wars TV show, um, I the I always took it as Dooku was training Asajj Ventress as his apprentice because he was trying to take over and kill Palpatine. You know what they always do is they're trying to like kill yeah, each other it's and blah, the same blah, blah. thing. But in this, it makes it almost seem like she is like a random Sith person that shows up and they're like, hmm, well, we can just use her to just cause a lot of trouble. And she's not really his apprentice. And that's why Sidious is all like, yeah, sure, go ahead, use her. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, you know what I mean? It, it seems different in this versus the movies or the other show. The, the, the other stuff. Yeah, it, it almost seems like she's kind of a secret from Sidious, but not really because Sidious clearly knows because Sidious right. orders Dooku to leave her behind right because i always thought in in at least in clone wars i always thought that sidious quote didn't really know about her i mean he i think he knows everything so it's not like a surprise but it was i was under the impression that he is technically not supposed to know about her or he's not supposed to know about grievous he's not well, supposed to know you know what i mean well in legends like dark jedi and like dark acolytes and things were very much a thing and didn't count as the sith in fact, uh, those red blades that she's being given, yeah. uh, those actually belonged to a former Padawan of Dooku's named Komari Vosta, who is the antagonist of the Bounty Hunter game, which is really good, Interesting. who went dark side. Uh, also, I'm just looking at the Wikipedia page and this just reminded me. Uh, so she is a replacement Asajj for a uh, disciple dark acolyte of Dooku named Severance Tan, who okay. was a Chiss dark acolyte, and also uh, one of my favorite old Legends characters when I was a kid, because I love the idea of a huh. Chiss Sith lady. Love that. Jumping back on topic, uh, I do, <laughs> interesting though that you mentioned that, the relationship between Sidious and Dooku and Ventress. Yeah. Because Dooku's like, Oh man, I don't know if she's gonna be able to do it. And Sidious is like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, he's like, who cares? She's a tool like, for us to use. Who cares? Like, she's yeah. a tool. Yeah. For us to use. I'm like, that's interesting. Yeah. And Fair, again, like, the loyalty is interesting, like right on off the bat. You're just like, oh, okay, they don't care about her. Super interesting also that uh, episode three hadn't come out yet, and we didn't know right. what was going to happen to Dooku. When we jump back to Munalist, uh, there's a fight, Obi-Wan and Dirge. Uh, yes, yes, Dirge uses the flamethrower on Obi-Wan. No, it is not effective because this time, I guess, Jedi can push the fire aside super easily. Uh, Kanan Jarrus uh, would probably disapprove of this sequence. Uh, <laughs> I, I think he'd be a little mad that Obi-Wan is able to like force aside the fire so quickly. I but mean, sure, if you're gonna okay. if you're gonna stop a flamethrower, like this was a way to do it, I guess. You know what I mean? Like stick right. your hand out, force stop it, and then just crush it from the distance. But Steph brought up the point on our our Mandalorian season two finale recap. Mm -hmm. She brought up the point, and I kind of agree with it that the reason that Mandalorians have flamethrowers is because they'd be very effective against the Jedi. They'd be more effective than a blaster bolt because right. you can 
grab them at close range and flamethrower them and they can't deflect that with their lightsaber right and it's very hard to do with the force here obi-wan just kind of blows it aside and i'm like right what is he, the he point of view directs then? it yeah the flamethrower is somehow even more useless in legends <laughs> than it is in canon and i hate that i truly hate that obi-wan defeats dirge kills quote-unquote dirge heads in rendezvous with the art troopers he has a moment where he like rides up the building uh i have in my notes obi-wan's uh up the shard moment uh that's a doctor who reference that bradley won't get but some of our listeners might and then he jumps down in and he's like hey guys uh you will be granted mercy in exchange for your unconditional surrender and i have noted here is this a war crime to do this like the specific wording of it yeah because i feel like if somebody is unconditionally surrendering you shouldn't be able to force them into an unconditional surrender i feel like they should be able to dictate some conditions if they're surrendering but on the other hand the guy never actually surrenders he basically just says don't kill me right i'm a banker which Saying don't kill me and then following that up with I'm a banker is not a good way to make sure that you don't get lightsabered. Just throwing that out there. I say this as a former banker. But yeah, is this a war crime? Uh, I I don't know the intricacies of war, so I don't. Listeners, if you're familiar with the Geneva Convention, please let me know if this is a war crime. Uh, The exact phrasing of events here. Because I think it might be, and I didn't have time to research it. Dirt shows up. They have a fight. I want to talk here about the sound design in the show. Okay. Have you noticed their use of silence and noise throughout the show? Yeah, it's a very Samurai Jack thing to do. Very Samurai Jack thing to do. Very Samurai Jack. There's silence and then noise. And then silence and then noise. And it punctuates the noise. Yeah. 2008 Clone Wars is a very loud show. There's a lot going on in it and a lot right. of dialogue. This one tells a lot of story without playing any sound whatsoever. Um, you you kind of glossed cool. over uh, Dirk for a second there, though. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he does show up again. Yeah. Um, being Can we explain how he shows up? Because I don't can quite understand. Explain, <laughs> yes, we can absolutely explain how he shows up. So Dirge is what's called a Gendai. Okay. And Gendai are functionally immortal. You can blow them apart and they will reconstitute. Provided they are not like incinerated. They will reconstitute. Right, because he cuts his yeah. arm off previously. He cuts his arm off and he cuts him in half. Right, and it just grows back. And then back. he comes back together. And we actually see it like grow back together. Gotcha. And then in this one, Obi-Wan like <laughs> gets bored inside of him. And like busts his way out but then you can kind of see it like if you look closely in the final shot of obi-wan you can kind of see it moving yeah yeah he comes back this is not how he dies right well clearly he can't die i was like what's such a random thing and he's like i was like he's a squid monster what is he He he's a very cartoon network design is what he is yes very cartoon network like weird bulbous monster design mm-hmm. i like i like it a lot i loved it it's weird and gross yeah he eventually dies by having 
Uh, Anakin Skywalker. Spoilers. Yeah. I don't know what happens yet. You're not going to know this because it happens in a comic. Oh, okay. Uh, Anakin, like, force push him out like an airlock into, like, a star. Oh. And that eventually kills him. So dramatic. It's so fucking dramatic. <laughs> thing Legends Clone Wars is so fucking dramatic all the goddamn time. I love it. All right. Up at the uh, space battle above, Anakin mm-hmm. is leading his various uh, battalions, which I like that he calls several different battalions in this. It's very clear he's commanding the entire uh, assault. There's a beautiful, like, one shot where he's, like, dogfighting with a couple of the Separatist ships, like, on, like, the surface of one of the larger ships. Mm -hmm. It's very cool, and I like that. One shots, like, just make me hard in general. The longer you go without cutting the camera, the happier I personally will be. Uh, They do get called out at one point uh, that, uh, quote, we lost gold leader end quote uh so rip bradley well, sorry you died darn because yeah, because you come first in in the host <laughs> thing so I, I saw i listened to that i was like uh bye bradley <laughs> so canonically i'm dead or in legends i'm dead now in legends uh at legends your clone iteration died gotcha yes there is the presence of a gold squadron here Oh, I love that. We do love that. I have to point out every time Gold Squadron comes up because it's in the name. So the droid that's in Anakin's ship is R4. Right. And not R2. Which I don't like. And I'm, I'm going to note too later a weird thing with R2. But my question here is, why is this R4 and not R2? And I have a theory about okay. this. It's twofold. Uh, one, the droid has to get blown up later. Okay. And the Clone Wars hadn't happened, which was established that we could blow up R2-D2 and put him back together and he would be fine. Right. And two, episode three hadn't happened yet. And episode three is the one where Anakin and R2 are like besties. Right. That had not happened, so they did not know. So that didn't happen until episode three. So he That didn't happen until episode three, so they didn't know. Interesting, because I remember in... Is I don't know if it's in Attack of the Clones or if it's in Revenge of the Sith where Obi Wan has R four, so that's his droid in his ship because his, his ship is red, and then Anakin's is blue. So yeah, it's R yeah R four I think yeah yeah so R four is here for some yeah I don't reason. I don't know if I like that because the color doesn't match the ship. That's why I like the other movie because like in the movie Obi Wan is ship his is red and white, so his droid is red and white, and then Anakin's is red and blue, so he has R two. Like it makes sense. Like just color theory <laughs> yeah i uh i i will bring this up in a later actually i have just thought of the thing charles forgot to research Uh-oh. and i will not say it yet listeners will have to tune in next week or episode. in four days <laughs> or in two weeks whatever we decide to release these right. to figure out why charles just realized r2 is not with anakin but yes r4 is here for some reason okay uh, Anakin flies in through the ship, through the hangar with the missiles. It's a pretty nice reference to episode one. I like that there was a little nod to episode one here, especially because the black episode one was getting at the time. Episode two, I mentioned on our first episode that someday we'll delve into my problems with Attack of the Clones. My biggest one is I felt like a lot of Attack of the Clones was a pivot as a result of episode one getting yeah. the flack that it did. And so they pivoted a lot of things 
Like uh, Jar Jar's role is suddenly really reduced now, and uh, we've aged up Anakin and all this other stuff. I mean, they might have been planning to age up Anakin, but like uh, there's a there's a Django Fett here who's like a Boba Fett, and it is nice to see something from Episode One that's kind of referenced here, yeah. given what was happening at the time, because there was a lot of vitriol, like even in mainstream presses, people really really came after Episode One. So. This 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 came after episode two, correct? Yes, this is okay. directly after episode two. They have not out. done three yet. Okay, cool. Because I'm trying to keep it like in my head, like when it came out. Because I noted in this, for some reason, I just noted that I noticed Anakin's gold hand in this one versus the other episodes. Yes, um, which is my favorite thing that they've ever done in Star Wars is Anakin's gold hand. I don't know why. I just love it. So they will actually address this in volume two. Volume two will transition us from this to, mm-hmm. from volume one to uh, Revenge of the Sith. And I won't spoil, but volume two is is very special to me for a lot of reasons. Okay, cool. I mean, I like Anakin with his short hair and his gold hand. That's literally like, I don't know why, just design wise. I think it's because when I was at that prime age, you know, is when Attack of the Clones came out. And that's the Anakin that I know in my brain as Anakin and I'm what, you know, eight years old or almost eight years old. And I'm watching this super hot fucking, you know, Aiden Christensen. I didn't even know at the time that I was in love with him, but I was, you know, so it's kind of one of those things. I spent a lot of time at 12 years old thinking about Hayden Christensen and not realizing why I was spending a lot of time thinking about Hayden Christensen. Now we know. Now we know. It's literally in the name of the show. Uh, Asajj Ventress shows up in her, well, we don't know it's her, but it's obviously her. Right. Uh, Shows up in her ship. And I like that as they're rushing at each other in the final climactic sequence, he has blue lasers and she has red. I just thought that was a nice touch. Isn't it the opposite in the movies? No, no. So that guy's always had red? Yeah. Blasters. Yeah, she she So TIE fighters have... Yeah, yeah. In the movies, the TIE fighters have green. Right. And And then the the Rebels have have red. red. That's such a weird thing to think about. It's such a weird thing. We don't ever see, I think, Asajj Ventures really do a lot of piloting in the 2008 Clone Wars series. But huh. this establishes she's a really good pilot, at least right. in Legend. And then, yeah, and then that's where it ends. And that was a cliffhanger uh, that we ended on for four months. Four months? Four Holy months. Holy shit. I'm so glad Disney Plus has it all in one big hour-long chunk, because otherwise... <laughs> which, to a kid, was an eternity yeah of course we especially for wait. a two minute cartoon oh yeah an eternity <laughs> uh this ended on november 20th 2003 this ended on my 13th birthday wow that was when the final episode of this aired and it picked back up march 26th 2004 so december january february march yeah so so technically what we've now we're we're at the end of this episode so like or we're at the end of chapter 10 that's technically season one correct so so that was season one and then season two is is the next 10 episodes the back half of volume one gotcha do you want to hear about some voice actors yes give me give me the voice so i've picked two for you okay count dooku and sam hill who is the head of the sand hills sorry I was like, uh, Sam. Okay. Are voiced by the same gentleman. Okay. uh, 
They are voiced by Corey Burton, otherwise known as the voice of Count Dooku in the Clone Wars 2008 show. And also half of the other fucking voices in that show. <laughs> Good for It's it. Corey Burton <laughs> and Dee Bradley it. Baker. You gotcha. can toss a coin. Right. Who is toss it? Toss a coin right. and be like, hmm. It's either Corey Burton or Dee Bradley Baker. I love it. Asajj Ventress. Now there is a deep cut to Gold Squadron Gay's lore because way back a long time ago, I thought that Asajj Ventress was voiced by Gray Delisle Griffin. And I was wrong. It was Nina Futterman. Okay. Who's the voice of her in the 2008 Clone Wars series. Got it. But the reason I thought that Gray Delisle Griffin, she is sometimes Gray Delisle, she's sometimes Gray Griffin, she's sometimes Gray Delisle Griffin. She's credited a bunch of different ways. I'm just going to call her Gray Griffin. Gray Griffin is the voice of Asajj Ventress here. Okay. She's also the voice of Padme Amidala. Oh my God. And she is the voice of Shakti. Oh my God. Okay. So she voiced uh, basically every female character in uh, seasons one and two of this. She is most known for being the voice of Azula and Legend of Vox Machina fans I will know th- her as the voice of Lady Briarwood. I literally just watched that episode today. I was just about to say that because I texted my friend Mm because he was like, you have to finish Fox Mock. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll do it. So I'm on chapter five now. But I literally, I, that lady, that character spoke and I was like, that's Azula from- That is Azula. (laughs) That is also Asajj Ventress in the the 2008 Clone Wars. Padme Amidala. She is- That's one of my favorite voices. She's one of those people that like, if you have seen an animated thing, she has been in it. Right. I love that. Yep. She's worked with Gendy Tadakasuke before on Samurai Jack. I'm just looking at her, her whole like filmography. Does she do the new, does she do the new character? Does she do the new character in the um the last season of Samurai Jack? The the female uh, I don't know. Oh. I do not know. Uh, because I don't remember what that character's name was. Uh, I, I it's not on my tongue right now, so I can't think of it. But yeah, she's assume... been literally been in literally everything. Uh, Love that. That's yep. Awesome. So she is our voice of Asajj Ventress and Padme and Shakti. Alrighty, Bradley, what did you think of chapters six through ten of the original Clone Wars series? Um, so much cooler um, <laughs> than the first half. Um, I you just like I said because. Asajj Ventress is fucking amazing. So anything with oh, her, yeah. give me more. I love Asajj it. Asajj Ventress voiced by Azula. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to give me Asajj Ventress, give her Azula's voice. I think that's a, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. That's my, that's my thing. I give her top billing. That's all I want. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I really enjoyed the memory trip because I remember being blown away by the first five episodes mm-hmm. But I think the six through 10, especially the Asajj Ventress ones, were ones that I really loved as a kid. I do like that. And I couldn't explain to you at the time why I was so obsessed with Asajj Ventress's whole aesthetic. But again, I can now. It's in the name of the show. That's hilarious that you say that. Oh, by the way, before I forget, uh, the Samurai Jack's character's name was Ashi and it was voiced by Tara Strong. I just didn't want anybody to come from okay. because I forgot Tara Strong. Blessed be her name, you know. <laughs> Tara Strong is uh, not in the show as no. far as I can tell. Unfortunately. 
that at seems like a missed just, opportunity but you know at least just glancing at the at her at her credits <laughs> at the cast list yeah i was gonna uh, say for the has show Tara strong done anything in star wars before that is an excellent thing to end on let's find out all right maybe we'll tease team. that for next time if she has we'll find it and we'll let you guys know all right yes charles will look that up uh in between recording episodes and we will let you know if tara strong has ever done a star wars please don't at me about this i promise you i will research it in the five minutes between episodes <laughs> <laughs> you can at me about the war crimes though i do want to know all right bradley run the socials thank you for listening to gold squadron gates did charles fuck something up Email us at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at goldsquadgaze. And you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at goldsquadrongaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at goldsquadrongaze, where we post this podcast as well as exclusive video content. Please join us next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Gaze.